Welcome to The Untrue Show, episode one. Hey y'all, it's Dana, and welcome to my very first podcast. I am excited, kind of nervous, mostly excited to, to get started and to just begin sharing with you guys in this way. So what made me want to start a podcast? Well, I love listening to them, and I felt like it's something new to try. I always like trying new things. So I'm excited to take this next step and see what the podcast world is like. So let's get started today. I'm going to talk about a couple trending topics to get us going. And the first one I'm going to talk about is the mannequin challenge, which I personally love. And I am a big fan of Ray Shremmerd. I actually went to their Atlanta concert, which was lit, as I say, but it was lit. Uh, Shrem Life too. And my friend that went with me, like she's one of those like ride or die friends. Shout out to Shauna. We had a great, great time. Those like I call them kids. but They're not like little kids. They're in their early 20s, but they're, you know, that's that's young at the time. Having the time of their lives on the stage, just so energetic, so lit. And I loved every part of it. I've been a fan of Black Beatles since I first heard it. And it's the number one song in the country now. And a lot of people are saying it's the number one song because of Mannequin Challenge. Well, it doesn't matter why. I think all that matters is the fact that it is number one song in the country and it totally deserves to be. It's an excellent song. Mike Will made it. And I love listening to it. Every time I hear it, I just want to jump around, dance a little bit. And I it takes me back to good memories of the concert because they closed out with that song. My favorite mannequin challenges, by the way, are the one with the four-year-olds. I thought that one was hilarious. And then the one with Paul McCartney. Uh, I thought that was so funny. It was literally like a peak lit moment. I don't know if that's a thing, but I just made it a thing. So it was a peak lit moment. The fact that Paul McCartney like literally co-signed on the song. He did it to the part where his name is at and he was totally Paul McCartney about it. And I just loved it. Like I, it was lit. It was a lit moment and I was excited for them. Like I was in actual Ray Shrimmer band. So that was pretty cool. Uh, another trending thing right now is memes, man. I, I love memes, but I really feel like the memes are popping right now. And the, the memes that are popping happen to be the one with the evil Kermit. I mean, every time I see one of those, I'm cracking up laughing, like dying laughing. It's yeah, they're hilarious. Uh, the other one I'd say that is even more funny than the Kermit one happens to be the bromance ones that feature the vice president, uh, Joe Biden and president Barack Obama. Like every single one of those it's hilarious though I think my favorite one there's the two of them standing together and president is like hey we're supposed to be working and Joe's like I made this flippogram of our last eight years together let's take a look and they're like literally looking over this flippogram together hilarious and the other meme that I'm really in love with I think is hilarious right now is the Shirley Caesar you name it meme so I'm a huge fan of Shirley Caesar like that's our Sunday morning lit gospel song music dance around to type vibe, right? So she literally just got a star on the Walk of Fame recently and has to come back from that and find out about this meme, which 
there's a cute video of her on TMZ talking about how she doesn't get it. She doesn't really understand why it's viral. She she thinks it's great, but the thing she doesn't like about it is the fact that people are twerking and gyrating to it. So you guys, Charlie Caesar is 78, a gospel legend and a pastor. So please do not twerk to the you name it challenge to show her some respect. Like Birdman would say, put some respect on her name. Let her be and just respect her wish to not twerk on the song. D- just respect it. Uh, but anyway, outside of that, I am a big fan of Shirley Caesar's gospel songs. If you guys don't know who Shirley Caesar is, Google it. If you need some song inspiration, my two favorite Shirley Caesar songs of all time are I Remember Mama and You're Next in Line for a Miracle. Let me tell you. When you listen to Shirley Caesar's like live songs, not only do you get the song, but in the middle of the song, you know how like in the middle of a boy's and men song, they'll just start talking to have a monologue with a deep voice, deep bass voice member. <laughs> so instead of that, Shirley Caesar has like a literal testimony, like dropped in the middle of the song and you need to hear it. Like just talks about how God has moved in her life, how Jesus has changed her whole world, how all those things like right in the middle of the song, right where you need, you need to hear that fix or you need to get that little bit of motivation. They're in those songs. So if you haven't heard Jelly Caesar again, like my two favorites are I remember mama and you're next in line for a miracle. Check those out. So the next thing that I kind of want to talk about is Donald Trump. Yeah, so still wrapping my mind around the fact that Donald Trump is the 45th president of the United States of America. It was a hard fact to swallow, a surprising fact to swallow, just because it was so unexpected. I remember staying up on election night and literally just watching the Electoral College like pop up on the map and all these red states and even states that had never been read before that popped up red. I was in awe and a little bit shocked uh, around how many popped up red and what was going on and to the point where I think I stayed up to like 2 a.m. and I was like, no, I'm going to bed. This doesn't look good. Whatever the news is, when I wake up in the morning, I'm just going to deal with it then. So I woke up the next morning. My normal time is about 4.30. So I woke up at 4.30. Obviously didn't get much sleep, so I was very grumpy. Then I saw that Donald Trump was elected and I was like, dang. I just didn't know what to think. I'm like, this is like the shock of the shock of everything, like the shock of the year, shock of, yeah, not the best ending to like a horrible election cycle. Like the whole election cycle was just annoying and stressful and long and drawn out. And it was like watching two little kids fight. But, well, one little kid fight and then the other little kid just try to walk away. That's kind of what it was like, like, one kid trying to beat up the other one. So almost like a bully. But anyway, I don't really want to get too deep into political stuff. But I do want to talk about what I feel like is the best marketing campaign of 2016. And that would be Donald Trump winning the election. Because literally, it was more about marketing than actual politics. Like that's what I that's what I believe. Because Donald Trump has been setting himself up to be the president of our country since 
2008 when President Obama was elected. So he has been spewing this rhetoric online and building and amassing this massive following and support group who helped him get into the office. And the thing is, like in 2008, I mean, we were really just getting started with social media. So we weren't really aware of what it could do, where it was going, what was going to happen. But we knew it was here and it wasn't essential to the political campaign. Like it was there, um, but it wasn't something that was a big part of, I'd say the strategy to help him get elected just because it wasn't as big of a deal back then. I mean, I don't even think we were using MySpace. I wouldn't imagine seeing a MySpace ad telling us to vote for president. And at the time, Facebook was really just getting started. So I don't remember seeing Facebook ads back then. In fact, I don't even think there were Facebook ads in 2008. But don't quote me on that. Um, look it up for yourself. <laughs> but anyway, I just I I've been brainstorming and thinking about this and about how it's just this the bamboozle of the year that he won and just three key ways or three key parts of the marketing of Donald Trump that helped him get into office. And the first would happen to be one, that negativity is easier to spread online than hope or positivity. People want to engage and be negative and tap into that side of themselves instead of tapping into the hopeful side and the positivity side. And I just remember when President Obama was running that was the message that he ran with it's just this hope-filled message and this optimism even though we were in a recession at that time that's the way he positioned what he was doing and where he was going to take us to this hopeful place to this positive place this optimistic place and that's the direction he took us in and we went and ran with it but here we are in 2016 and and the the message that's easier to get out there is this negative negative one so I think that Donald Trump did a really good job of tapping into the negative thoughts and the negative feelings that people have and really escalating those feelings or pushing those feelings to drive people to vote and to help him get into office. So the second way I think that he really marketed himself to win was that he focused only on a niche group of people. He didn't really try to be the, the guy for everyone he didn't try to be everyone's man and everyone's buddy he really just focused on that group of people who are who were so angry who were so fed up who weren't seeing growth who didn't really like Obama who were anti Black Lives Matter and who who were against everything that's happening and he went for those people, those people who, who do feel negatively about everything going on instead of trying to get to, to everyone. Like I feel like as a black woman, his campaign didn't really try to reach me and no, having Omarosa on your side or Stacey Dash on your side doesn't reach me. So I don't feel like he, he marketed or positioned himself to, to, to us or to my group of people, which I'd say it's African-American woman that I identify with. I identify with. Um, whereas Hillary Clinton tried to really get the African-American vote and the Latino vote. Um, Donald Trump totally didn't do that. Like I saw Hillary Clinton in a lot of the media that I consume and absorb. Like I saw her um, on the breakfast club doing an interview, I think two or three times during this campaign cycle. And I saw targeted social media ads from her and she had this diverse team with women of color on it. And I know Donald Trump has the, um, 
Katrina, I believe that's on his campaign, but I didn't really feel like I identified with her. I mean, I followed her on Twitter just to kind of see where her mind was at, but, and I don't know her role in the campaign, but she, she is a woman of color that is on his team. Yeah. Hillary even had that Jay-Z and Beyonce concert. So she was really trying really hard to relate to non-white people. (laughs) Not that all Jay-Z and Beyonce fans are African-American, but she was definitely doing these appearances and concerts and interviews in order to reach African-American voters. And Donald Trump didn't really do those things. The third thing that I would say helped him would be this generation that we live in has kind of taken the limits off of a lot of things and a lot of possibilities. Like I would never imagine that a businessman who is 70 years old with no political experience would be elected president eight years ago, um, who's married to someone who was not born in America um, and who used to model nude. I think there's good sides to the progress that we've made in that area. And then there's bad sides. Like for instance, I just saw a commercial the other day. I was watching TV on Hulu and this ad comes up for CoverGirl. And there was a boy in the commercial. He's a 17 year old boy that is a cover girl. Um, And that's new. It's not something that would have happened when I was a teenager. When I was a kid, I remember CoverGirls being Tyra Banks and Brandy and, you know, supermodels. And now, you know, we've gotten to the point in time where a 17-year-old boy can be a cover girl. And that's the progress we've made. And it's it's a good thing. For, for boys who are young or who do identify with uh, with the idea that they can wear makeup, because they can wear makeup. It's a free country. But it's a bad thing when um, this a, a person who believes that they can do anything becomes a president and doesn't really have any experience. That's just two totally different areas of progress that don't really align. And I think that Donald Trump's actual goal here is to just set his family up for a secure future like almost position him as a dynasty which they already were pretty pretty up there but this is going to take up to a whole new elevated escalated level of trumpness or fame right <laughs> i would love to talk a little bit about why i named this podcast the untrue show now and there's a couple of reasons just because i'm not sure if you guys know what shrew means but basically it means a bad-tempered woman which i am definitely not but i used to be a very pessimistic person and i am no longer that person so uh that's where the un part of the untrue comes from so with that being said, I'd like to take a moment and at the end of every podcast to just kind of talk about what I'd like to call like the peak of things and the pit of things. The peak being the best part of things and the pit being the worst part because everything is not all sunshine and roses. Let's be honest, this is life and there's ups and downs, there's goods and bads and we have to address those. The peak of things going on in the world today would have to be Thanksgiving. I am so excited about Thanksgiving. I think it's a nice break from uh, or in between from the election cycle that we've just been going through and all the drama around that and a nice space between that and Christmas and a ramp up to see your family and you know eat really good food and just hang out and feel love like whenever I go to Thanksgiving dinner I feel loved for my family it's just nice to see everyone smile on faces and to just sit around and 
talk with each other and be close. And I'm, I think it's much needed. Uh, these last few weeks for me have been kind of difficult with everything going on and the ways of the world, I guess. Um, the pit would definitely have to be how everyone's treating each other online since the election. I wish that we could respect each other's opinions more and we could work together a little bit better and that it wasn't so hostile to to share your opinion uh, or the, for the people who are sharing their opinions I wish that they would share them and be more respectful or open to positive, I guess, banter around opinions. But let's be honest, like you rarely see positive banter between two people who have really strong opinions about something. It just doesn't really happen in a respectful way that often. So maybe my wish is a little too lofty, <laughs> but that that's what I, how I wish things could be. I wish things, I wish that when people have differences, they could come together and talk them through a little bit better than they do. Like right now, people just kind of say like, this is what I think. And then other person's like, this is what I think. And they kind of like duke it out in the internet streets. And I don't think anyone really wins a fight that happens in the internet. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of pointless, but regardless, that's my peak and my pit for this episode. Thank you guys for listening to the very first episode of The Untrue Show. I would love it if you guys would subscribe to my podcast. And I can't wait to talk with you again next week. Bye. Bye.